Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. This week, I'm going to continue on our Easter journey by talking about three stories that all occur after Jesus' death and resurrection. The first two, in the week immediately following the resurrection, and the third, an unspecified time in the future, several years after Jesus died and was raised. The reason I'm going to share the three stories together is that they all contain an aha moment by the main character of the story. By that I mean their prior innocence or ignorance is suddenly overcome in a reality reshaping moment when they encounter the true risen Christ and understand the significance of the event. The first story has Mary Magdalene, a close friend of Jesus, standing alone outside of his tomb after she found it empty. She'd shared the news with Peter and another disciple, and after they had visited the tomb, Mary remains there. The story reads, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, Go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of our Lord. There is something about this story that has perplexed me, biblical scholars, and almost everyone who has heard the story on Easter Sunday morning. And that is, how is it that Mary does not recognize Jesus, whom she had known for years? A lot of plausible answers have been given that, uh, to that question. One of the top answers is that Jesus' appearance had changed after he was raised from the dead. His resurrection body does not look like his pre-resurrection body. Or... Maybe Mary's eyes were so clouded with tears that she literally couldn't see straight. Or 
The idea of someone that she knew has died suddenly appears for her is so extraordinary and beyond belief that she couldn't wrap her mind around it. She didn't know what to expect when she went to the tomb, but seeing Jesus alive and breathing was not one of them. Well, I have a little different take on that question about why Mary couldn't recognize Jesus. My answer is, it doesn't matter. The Gospel writer John, who is the mystical poet among all the Gospel writers, ponders the stories that he's heard about the resurrection. John uses those stories to fuel his poetic imagination, his spiritual imagination. He's inspired to tell the story in his way. He wants to give the readers and future generations like us to have their own experiences of the truth that he has discovered for himself. Now, one of the truths that John is trying to show us in Mary's encounter is how difficult it is for us to believe the claim that God would raise Jesus from the dead. Mary had been around Jesus for a long time, and he'd told her and his disciples that he would be raised from the dead. And yet, what is her first response that she says to Peter? That is that someone has come and stolen the body. It does not even occur to her that he's been raised from the dead. She goes immediately to the logical explanation that if the body is not there, somebody must have stolen it. Fortunately, the story does not end with Mary's lack of faith and understanding. She has an aha moment. She doesn't sit down and reason out what the empty tomb means. Instead, it comes to, to her in a moment of sudden insight. Faith comes in a flash. John says that Jesus speaks her name, Mary. Faith comes through a personal and inexplicable encounter even though he says not to cling to him. And he has to leave again. So John's saying, faith is like this. It's personal, and it comes to us unexpectedly. John likely experienced such a moment himself. And he thinks that you and I will also. Let's look at another story of people experiencing the risen Lord, this time told by the Gospel writer Luke. Now, if John was the poet among the Gospel writers, Luke was the historian, and he makes that claim for himself. He'd consulted all the available witnesses and accounts of what happened on that day that Jesus was raised, and he writes his own version of the events that happened. Now, the story that we're about to hear happens later on in the same day when Mary encountered Jesus at the tomb. Luke writes, Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. 
Then one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here these days? And he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and scribes and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? The same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and the other companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the reading. Now, in this story, we have not one, but two witnesses to the risen Lord. Cleopas and another unnamed disciple are on the way to Emmaus on the road. Now, we don't know the reason for their trip. Perhaps they were going out of town to avoid the trouble that might be stirred up against the followers of Jesus. Now that the rumor of his empty tomb has started to spread, they might be accused of stealing the body. When Jesus comes up and walks with them, he plays dumb and asks them what they're talking about. And they say incredulously, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place these days? The only stranger. Like Mary, these guys don't think that Jesus had been raised either. For one thing, Luke says that they're looking sad, which would not have been the case had they thought Jesus had been raised. They said that they had hoped that he would be the one to save Israel, but it appears that hope had not materialized. He's gone. Jesus was crucified, and now they heard his body was missing. Now here comes that inevitable question again. Why didn't Cleopas and the disciple not recognize Jesus? 
This time, Luke appears to give us an answer. He says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. On further thought, however, this isn't really much help either. Some say that God kept them from recognizing him to make a point. But if so, what's, what's the point? Or they were just kept from recognizing him out of the shock and their own expectations, like Mary. Some have even proposed that perhaps, though they were followers of Jesus, they may never have met him personally. And there weren't pictures in those days. All somewhat reasonable ideas. My answer? Once again, it doesn't matter. Although Luke is the historian, historians gather facts, but the facts aren't history. The historian has to put the facts into a story and give it meaning that tells a larger truth. But what is the truth? You can imagine that in this turbulent and politically fraught time that there was a lot of fake news out there. But the biblical historian Luke relies on his inspiration, his holy inspiration, to tell us a story that will convey God's truth to us. Once again, Luke echoes the same truth that John conveyed to us. It is hard to believe the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. Even Jesus accuses them of lack of faith. He says, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have declared. And still they don't get it. Still we don't get it. Jesus accepts their invitation to stop and have dinner with them. He gives them an extended lesson in Hebrew scripture about the promise of a Messiah out of the Old Testament or their scriptures. As they sit down to eat, Jesus suddenly takes over as the host of the meal and offers a blessing. In doing so, he replays the actions he performed at a recent Passover meal that we've come to call the Last Supper. And then, aha, they get it. Their hearts burned with understanding as they put together his teaching of Scripture and his blessing of the meal, and they now know that he is the one. He is the risen Lord. They understand, and they believe. And then, he is gone. Now, here's what I take away from these two aha moment stories. You and I live in a fog of doubt and ignorance when it comes to the risen Lord. We are separated in time and space from the morning of the resurrection. We've heard the Bible stories, but we've learned to rely on our senses and upon reason, what we can touch and feel and smell and think. When someone is dead, they are dead. And we get stuck in our heads and in our unbelief, even if sometimes we don't want to believe it. 
But then sometimes, when we least expect it, aha. It may be when we are sitting beside a hospital bed holding the hand of a dying friend. It may be as we take a sip of wine at the communion rail, or it may be in a quiet room at night as we are doing our devotional reading, and there he is. He speaks our name. Our hearts burn within us. And even though he tells us not to cling to him, when he disappears from our sight, that brief moment, We have been changed by our experience of the risen Lord. And we will never be the same again. Let me close with a final aha story from the book of Acts, which, by the way, Luke also wrote. Takes place several years after the events we've been talking about. Now, this is Paul speaking. While thus occupied, as I had journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness and light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Here ends the reading. Aha! Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you. May God open your eyes so that you may see the truth.